So your body is speaking to you. Mm -hmm. Do you speak that language? And it's learning to speak that language. You know, if I go to Japan tomorrow, I'm not going to understand anything. <laughs> if I learn Japanese, I'll be able to follow. So our body's speaking to us, speaking to us, speaking to us. But are we actually, do we speak that language? Yeah, it's, 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 it's paying attention. Yeah. It's taking the time. Also, it's suspending judgment. I think that yes. was a big one for me. Intimate, inspiring, raw, real. Self-love stripped down and amped up. Welcome to Bed Talks by Alice Cass with your hosts, Meg and Sabrina. So what can you expect from Bed Talks? By exposing ourselves and sharing our no bullshit stories and everything we've learned along the way, we want to inspire you to stand in your worth and step into your feminine power so you can be confidently and unapologetically you. Bed Talks is fueled by our mission to highlight all facets of what it means to be a woman letting go of ideals of perfectionism, embracing the struggles for the lessons they teach us, and celebrating our uniqueness while laughing and enjoying the wild ride together. Here's to breaking down the barriers, owning our journey, and having fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive deep. The new year and new decade is upon us, so today we're sharing an episode about transformation and what conscious living means to us. I share about how my self-love journey and awakening really started with my decision to cut out alcohol, which was a monumental lifestyle shift for me at the time. Through that challenge, I learned to trust myself again, feel into my body, and experience life in a way I had no idea was possible. I offer up this story as inspiration for those of you looking to reflect on your relationship to anything outside yourself so you can know that just you is enough. I get into how I live a conscious life by tapping into my senses and connecting with what's inside of me by connecting with what's outside of me, my surroundings, my environment. Our body is speaking to us all the time, and it's up to us to learn to listen and trust what it's telling us. It takes practice, but it's worth it. But before we get into the juicy stuff, we want to give a little shout out to our friends here at WRG, where we record our podcast, because without them, Bed Talks wouldn't be here. They're hosting this awesome three-day outdoor hockey festival in Montreal on January 24th to 26th called the WRG Classic. Leslie, the founder of WRG, has supported me and my work with Alice Cast since day one. We've collaborated on a ton of projects together, and I just love being part of their growth and seeing all the cool things they come up with throughout the years. I especially look forward to the classic, not only because it's for a good cause, but it's a really fun way to spend some time outdoors with friends in the winter. You get to enjoy live music, feast on treats by my fave cafe, September Surf, watch the cute boys and girls play hockey in their spiffy vintage outfits, and of course, it's the best excuse to wear your fanciest winter gear. They've got this amazing mission. It's a fundraiser working to bring hockey to underserved communities in Montreal, because guess what? That shit is expensive. <laughs> They're expecting their biggest addition yet. Throw on your long johns and come kick it with some really great people and great vibes. Plus, it's January in Montreal. Like, what else are you going to do? So that's wrgclassic.com. You get a vibe of the experience. Go check out their videos. You can sign up to be a player. And it's at Park Vinay, steps away from Lionel Gru Metro, Friday to Sunday. Now for our episode. Enjoy. It's goddess card time. So what's our topic today? Miss Meg. <laughs> Mademoiselle, <laughs> Madame, welcome to my parlor. Um, I think it'd be a great opportunity to talk about 
Oh. Easy does it, Una. There is no need to hurry or force things to happen. <gasps> Everything is occurring in perfect timing. I love this card. I love it. So I love it. I love it. What I was going to say was that, you know, it'd be a nice chance to talk about transformations. Oh, yeah. And sometimes those transformations happen through the way of little nudges and little ripples. And sometimes they happen with this like seismic shift, this like Armageddon catastrophe blowout. Fuck, I got to make some changes. Yeah. And I feel like it's a perfect opportunity for us because I tend to be the baby step kind of over time girl, like our fr- yeah. our new friend Una. Uh, Una. <laughs> let me let me see Una. Yeah. I'm the opposite. I'm yeah. definitely the uh, <laughs> very big changes that happened very quickly. But the, see, my changes are constant. They're just like I feel like I'm always changing very rapidly. Mm-hmm. But I've actually been trying to be more patient with the changes that I'm calling in and the transformation mm-hmm. and just like shedding of all those layers and allowing things to happen in their own time without forcing anything and without rushing through it. That's a big challenge in my life. And I think a lot of us, cause we have yeah. so much to do and we have so many goals. And, and it's s- this hurry. You're almost like, I got to make the change. I got to make the change. I know who I want to be. How do I get there? I know I got to do that, do this. Um, and then it doesn't, it doesn't feel good because mm-hmm. it still feels like you're resisting something versus there's great power in surrendering. Absolutely. Um, so and I find when we look back on ourselves at those moments where we were going through transformation, in the moment you're like, oh, I made that decision to change. But you see how gradual the change actually was inside yes. you. So it's it's very interesting when you look back. I think we forget to do that a lot of the time. Well, and it's even like the, you know, what people say about the overnight success, right? Like it's never this overnight success. You just haven't seen the blood, sweat and tears that that person's been putting into it. Yeah. Don't they say every overnight success took 10 years? <laughs> so on that note, your transformations, have they been gradual or did something really kick off more of a drastic change? Um, I definitely look at my life and there's um, there's a point where it was like before this and after this, that yeah. was a huge, huge transformation shift. And I think it was when I started living a lot more consciously and that was kicked off uh, when I decided to quit drinking alcohol. Um, I quit in... I believe May or like the spring of 2018. Mm-hmm. So it's almost a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, I really look at my life and I'm like, okay, before that. And then after I don't feel like I'm the same person. Mm-hmm. It was, that was like the big turning point, a hundred percent. That was like the biggest shift in my life, the biggest change because alcohol really was a part of my lifestyle I would say and just like my not my everyday but Mm -hmm. like part of my routine in a way and it was part of my the way that I was coping with certain things and um it took a lot to kind of get out of that and I had to change my whole entire life and now what your relationship to alcohol did did you because I'm thinking like the thing about alcohol is that you probably, in a way, like you never feel alone when you have your alcohol, your vice, like your booze, your whatever. You're not alone. Okay, just reach for that drink. Like, that's my buddy. That's my crutch. Mm. But as we know, it can also make you feel 
so lonely for sure um, because of its depressant qualities. But when, what made you pull yourself out of that? What, how did you go from crutch living to standing on your own two feet? And how long did it take you to actually <laughs> stand versus fucking crawl yeah. and like curl up into a little you ball? You know, it's so funny. Cause like, I don't, I, I rarely even like, look back at that anymore mm -hmm. because it's so natural to me now to not drink but my god I can't like if you would have told me this like three years ago I would be like what are you talking about because mm -hmm. it was such it really was a tool for me and um I was using it in a way but I think a lot of us either we're looking for connection or we're looking for a way to get out of our own way or we're looking for a way to escape or we're looking for a way to just numb, cope with like emotions, things that we don't want to deal with. And for me, it's something that I've obviously mentioned before, uh, being really disconnected from my body, my intuition, my emotions, um, shaming those things, feeling shame around those things. And having judgment of myself and not really being honest about the things that I wanted or who I wanted to be and feeling kind of like I didn't belong anywhere. And when I did drink, I was suddenly like this like palatable, fun version of myself. First of all, I got out of my own way and people liked me. I was not the weird girl anymore. I was not the awkward girl anymore. And there was something really liberating about that. And so to transform from being that person who was really turning to alcohol as a means to like, you know, help with my social anxiety and, and help in a way give me the confidence that I didn't have to move from that into a person who can just solely rely on herself and increase that confidence and that, and that sense of worthiness as well, that took a long time. That took a lot of work and that took a lot of self-reflection and just patience. So Una is a great card for this. Um, now, when you drank, did you feel more like yourself versus when you were sober? I thought it was me. I yeah. thought that was like, yeah. oh, look, it's it's the real Sabrina, you know, like yeah. she's uh, she's free. And I think that was a big thing. It was this idea of freedom because I was so judgmental of myself and I was so mean to myself. And that's really how it started when I started noticing the in my inner critic and how harsh she was. And, and um, was she harsh when you were sober? Yeah. And now were you ever harsh on yourself about your drinking? It's funny because I also never really considered myself like an alcoholic because yeah. I did hang around people that drank a lot more than me. Like yeah. even my, all like relative. all my all my girlfriends and I'm not just talking about guys who can who metabolize alcohol differently and who can handle more liquor and I'm talking about like even women in my surroundings who would like I just drank wine and maybe like gin soda and like vodka sodas and stuff like that like I wasn't drinking hard liquor like dark liquor or anything like that or shots or anything because I knew that like I couldn't handle it so yeah. I had friends relatively that, to them right? you're like not so I bad I was like oh I'm not so bad yeah. and like a lot of people were doing like you know 10 shots in a night and I was like oh my god I can't even do one I'd be dead <laughs> you know yeah. um yeah. so to me I was like oh I'm fine like everyone's kind of partying like harder than I am and and I'm just you know wine like wine is so fun but I started noticing that just like, fuck everyone else. Like, how was I feeling about it? That's when I really started going like, I don't feel good. I feel disconnected. I feel like shit. I feel like I'm not happy. Like, so what's what wrong made here? you start asking those questions just like one day? No, I mean, it had been it had been over a little while. Yeah. 
Um, and were you doing any other practices that were kind of in the health realm? Like, were you journaling, meditating, running? Were there healthy things as well as for the drinking? Sure, for sure, for sure, for yeah. sure. And I think that's why it doesn't like seem so problematic a lot of the time because I'd, I'd compensate with like healthy habits. Even when I, I used to smoke cigarettes and I'd be like, well, I run and I work out. So like yeah. it's balancing out, you know, so yeah. I always was kind of health conscious. These extremes too. Yeah. So it's like you drink and you smoke and you do all those things. And then you're also like running every day and doing healthy things. It's so and funny how well, you feel yeah. like, oh God, it's, it's so funny how we in our mind were like, that balances out. Or do they cancel each other out? Yeah, I think that's like, I think there's like a, a flawed thinking going on Is there. Is balancing canceling? I don't think balancing happens in extremes. I think yeah. balance happens in balance. And yeah. I think it's, it's, you know, being connected to your body, like being into living intuitively and not restricting yourself necessarily, but also knowing yourself, mm -hmm. you know, I think it comes in, you asked me if I did any other practices. I mean, I wasn't meditating back then. That's something that definitely shifted everything, but I was self-aware and I did do journaling and things like that. Like I've always been very, you know, self-reflective. Um, so I was, I was aware, but I also didn't, know where to turn. I didn't really have any other tools. And for me, it was like, even just the thought of quitting alcohol, I was like, no, 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 I can't do that. Like, what am I going to do with my time? Like my social life, like, how am I going to do anything? Like I had so much anxiety, like so much just like discomfort with myself. Well, you started to define yourself by those practices and that habit and that substance. Yeah. And then if you took that away, at first it felt probably, I imagine, like you were not your whole self. For sure. Meanwhile, you were not whole because you were filling that void with alcohol. Yeah. But it was like you were filling it with alcohol so you didn't have the chance to realize, holy shit, I got a big empty piece of me. You removed the alcohol, I got and the empty piece, now what? it's feeling not enough. I think as yourself feeling not like everyone else, it's this feeling of like alienation. So we're using it to connect, but then we're, we're alienating ourselves from ourselves and from other people. Yes. Cause you're not really connecting in a real intimate way. Like everyone is in this heightened state of disconnect. So even, you know, I would go out, meet people, but was I really connecting with them? No, there's, it's a fast track to intimacy, but there's no real actual human connection there. Um, have you ever felt anything similar? I'm, I'm curious. I feel everyone's relationship to alcohol is so different. And for me, it happened gradually. Like I didn't know that I was so dependent on it in that way. I didn't realize physically, but I, I was starting to see like, okay, I know socially I was super dependent. I wouldn't go out on a date. I wouldn't go to a party. I would go to a bar and be like, okay, or, or an event, even a networking event or like a launch and be like, okay, where's well, the bar? It's I also, need wine. you know, it's, it's also the, our culture, right? Yeah. And it's the events that we go to and it's, it's more strange to not have it and to have a dry event than it, uh, than it is to have that offered. And so it's, it's just what our, norm was yeah. and your norm with your, you know, your social circle and your business, that was the norm. Um, I love what you said that people were in this heightened state of disconnect and that was your fast track to intimacy. Um, I remember when I was younger, you know, you had to, you had to keep up with that. You felt like you would be missing out. 
you felt like you'd be missing out. This was before FOMO was a thing, right? <laughs> Technically. Um, and you would drink and go out and you got to be at that place on a Tuesday and that place on a Wednesday. Oh, yeah. And I can't miss that one Tuesday. God forbid. Um, and I remember my mom would say to me, you know, I, like I'm talking when I was a young kid, probably 18. Um, you know, why are you, why are you drinking? Like, you're so great. You are so great. You're funny. You're this, you're that. Like, why are you using this? Why are you going there? And at the time, you know, you're, you're in it. You're just in it. You haven't paused. And I mean, my gosh, at 18, like you're not self-aware like that. Um, it's a culture of belonging to you. It is a culture of, of belonging. But in the same time, I've never, I've never used it in the way that I needed to pull myself out of it like you have. Mm. So I remember during my hardest times, that's when I stayed absolutely away from it. And I didn't want to use it. I wanted, I've always, I've never been afraid of feeling. Mm. I've never been afraid of feeling. I've, I, I've, I feel like I've lived a life with an open heart. And in the same way, it almost feels like I've lived my life with an open wound that's just like available for more hurt just as much as it's available for healing. Mm. Um, and I don't mind feeling low. And there's times where I have, you know, we've all had those bathroom floor cries we could probably all picture some of them. And I, I have physically in my last place, I lived in a duplex. So I had to go upstairs to get to my place. And there were times when I had to crawl up because the hurt was so what I was, what I chose to face the time that I'm thinking of, it was an act of choice of somebody who I invited over because I wanted to talk about some hard stuff and I wanted to open up and I wanted to dig deep and I wanted to go there and I knew it was going to be hard as hell. Um, and when they left, I had to physically crawl up my stairs because I was just weeping and I, I cycle around and often I'll think on my bike or I'll listen to, um, you know, one of these spiritual soulful podcasts that we love to listen to just with one headphone. Um, <laughs> and something just even earlier today, something triggered me that was so beautiful and meaningful. And because I'm on a bike, like I have to physically keep going and, and it's that balance between being gentle on yourself in these moments, being calm when something triggers that feeling, but also that nudge. So being on my bike sometimes physically is that nudge for me to keep going in a healthy way mm. when I've needed it, when I've been at those lows. I've never reached for substance because I want to be conscious of the feeling and the pain. Um, and... And, you know, my therapist years ago when I was going, I would still be going if I could afford it. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, I will make any sacrifice. This is an absolute lifeline for me. Um, I remember leaving the therapist's office after that first visit. And, uh, and the feeling that I had was just like feeling like myself for the first time in a very long time. Wow. And it just, it gave me that kind of validation and permission to feel how I had been feeling and not feel alienated, not feel disconnected. 
um, I always, you know, talk about therapy. Like it just really felt like a, a warm blanket. Mm. Um, and so I've never used substance to as a big form of escape where I have to then cut it out. Of course, I use it to lubricate, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, before some dates or whatever, you're just used to, okay, let me make a little gin and soda while I put my makeup on. And, um, but I know that it tends to be a trend, a very big trend for people that I admire, look up to, and even a certain age shift with consciousness mm -hmm. that people start to really reflect on alcohol and how they use it. Like yeah. there's more sober people who are just very like aware in yeah, a conscious life that become, have cut it out. I'm like so happy about that because I remember when I quit drinking, it was not as like, I guess, trendy mm -hmm. as it is now mm -hmm. to, or just, I, I felt like I wasn't hearing it about it as much to not be drinking. Like I felt like a freak, you know, I was like, oh, I'm like literally the only person in Montreal who yeah. doesn't drink suddenly. And well, you were in your, you know, mid young thirties, like it's just part of being yeah. that age where you're like, go out and do the yeah. thing and you, do, you don't question it. So what for for that divide between, you know, what are you using? How are you using it? Do you need to cut it out? Is how are you using it? Yeah. Are you using that drink at the end of the day? And that's okay. You know, you got your, it's like Mad Men style. You reach, you're like, I did a really great job. I'm going to pour myself this little inch, run myself a bath. No harm yeah. done, you know? But if you're using it as a means to disconnect or be someone who you feel like you can't be sober, then it's just an opportunity to pause and question yourself. Yeah. And then you feel like stronger, right? Yeah. So take, take us back though. When you started to cut it out, I mean, you didn't just lessen, you did cold turkey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did. I, it had been like a few months that I was like really slowing down and, Oh yeah, this is actually why, this was how it started. I was like, I don't want to have drunk sex anymore. So, so I was like, okay, I'm not going to like, so, so I was like slowly trying to cut it out in that way. Um, I didn't have sex and for that's a real very talk. long time. That's oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because I was like, hey, I don't know that I've ever really had sober sex in my life. So I was like, yeah. that's fucked up. I need to explore that. Um, and also being someone who works for themselves alone, doesn't like, you in know, your, in your house, in my home, yeah. like I, I don't have much, like I socialize, but it was really before around like alcohol. So, yeah. um, it's very, it was very hard for me to date and to, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't, I, when I made that decision, I was like, wow, okay, there's something here because obviously I haven't had sex in like, I don't know, eight months at that point. And then eventually I was like, you know what? I'm not just going to stop when, for that purpose. I, I think there's something here that's going on. Uh, it kind of started waking me up and it was sort of when I was starting to listen to podcasts and understand this whole like inner child work mm -hmm. that I started doing. And, um, I decided I was like I think it's time I think I feel like shit a lot and I'm tired of it and I want to just explore myself and and uh do this weird experiment you know mm -hmm. and to me I, I mean adventures experiments mm -hmm. I'm like always mm -hmm. down so I was like okay uh let's see how far I can go with this did you have to cut out certain people or certain situations it happened very naturally the yeah. people because yeah. then there was nothing in common anymore so yeah. it was like and then I would try to hang out with them 
like with certain people and if there was no alcohol it was very awkward and uncomfortable and we realized we really didn't have anything in common and a lot of people also felt triggered by it because then I was a reflection of their maybe unhealthy relationship to alcohol so I think a lot of people you know a lot of people have been quite negative towards me saying that I don't drink you know people would be like, oh, you're boring, or like, what's wrong with you? Or are you an alcoholic? Like, there's fun a Bobby, l- that episode from <laughs> Friends, right? Fun Bobby is super fun when he drinks, and then he's sober, and he's like a total downer. Well, so you're not a total downer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it took me a while to, to kind of learn that and accept yeah. that and be okay with it and be like, am I even fun? Like, do I know how yeah. to have fun? And that was like a big part of it because... I think I'm a person who stays and gets stuck in her head a lot. And like a lot of us do, Mm -hmm. you know, and part of it, I mean, over the the last year and a half, I've learned so much about like embodiment practices, getting out of your head and into your body. And that's helped me so much. Um, Just even this concept of sensuality has been huge in my healing journey. But that all that stuff came later. I was I was started, you know, looking into all the spiritual stuff, too. But um it, yeah. it wasn't easy at first. And the environments I did have to change because I tried to keep going to parties or going to bars and I'd get yeah. triggered and like run out crying and be like, why am I doing this to myself? You know, like I had some and moments where I'd be crying in the bathroom. Like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. Um, who am I? Like, yeah. why am I so awkward? Like yeah. everyone's like, yeah. and, and then even at a bar, every time a bartender would come by, I'd be like, oh, now I have to say that I don't drink. They're going to like give me a dirty look. And they do. Like they are annoyed at me because obviously yeah. they're not making tips. So like there was a lot, but I had to accept that it wasn't my responsibility. Like I can make my own choices and I'm not responsible for that person's reaction to me. Like they have their own issues. Exactly. And a lot of people don't realize that it can be a sensitive topic. So instead of being like, Oh, come on one shot. Why not? It's like, you don't know what you might be triggering with Mm. that person. Um, You know, maybe they're just like, yeah, sober, whatever month that they're doing. But Maybe there is a heavy story behind mm-hmm. that. And, you know. And it's not even like I have like the worst story. No. I mean, I think that it's it's more that it's really celebrated in our culture. It's really like drinking a lot is something it's it's part of our culture. You know, it's part of like Christmas parties, these parties, that those events, you know, summer, like everything is associated to alcohol. And once you remove yourself from that, you're like, whoa. And We also aren't aware of the health issues. My brain, that was the biggest scare for me. I realized like my memory was shit. And I, I always had a really good memory. Like as a kid, I like, I mean, now, like I look at stuff, I have a photographic memory. I remember everything I would black out. And even if I wasn't super drunk, huge parts of conversations were like, gone I felt like I had holes in my brain and I was really scared when I quit I was like I I I was doing research and people were saying oh you can't like some people are saying you can repair that damage and other people say you can't and it really restructures your brain when you drink a lot and uh, when I quit drinking I started taking like lion's mane mushrooms and like all this like different supplements and things like that and just you know, I've been reading so much podcasts, just like grow your brain, exercise, all the things like nutrition. And like, now I'm like, I feel like I'm back and maybe better than I have ever been. But 
um, it was scary. Like it was terrifying. And I feel like people don't talk about the that. information. The thing is, it's like everything is actually at our fingertips these days. Yeah. But what are we seeking for? What are yeah. we seeking? So you need to first know what to ask. You need to know what you to ask yourself. You need to know what to ask the Internet and the world and what, you know, from your friends. So, you know, that's where you need that balance of stillness and action. You know, you need the stillness to be like, what, what do I want? You know, what, what are, you know, have fun with your question period. Like you can ask yourself things like both ends of the spectrum. What inspires me? What triggers me? What do I want from my life? What do I want to improve? I mean, life cannot offer you more than you are, are conscious of. And what I wrote down before I heard this somewhere is consciousness is giving yourself power to make the change. Mm. Consciousness is giving yourself power to make the change. And I, I might have heard that through Deepak. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I really, I liked it because it really felt like, you know, it's, it's not as overwhelming when you break growth and change and transformation down into small steps like we're saying yeah and so step one is just allow yourself to be calm and still and it's okay have the fucking box of kleenex whatever you need to have still maybe scribble down anything that comes into your mind just start asking asking questions and not in like this nervous like what do i want oh my god i gotta get there I, oh no now i'm like miserable i realize that everything i want i don't have it's like just break start to break things down um i really i really liked what you said there because it's it's really about reclaiming your power mm -hmm. and it's about looking at yourself and going okay it's that awareness it's that knowledge and taking the time and i realize you know we have this idea of like these destinations that we want to arrive to we're like i want to be there i want to change this i want to change that like you were just saying and all the gifts really come in the process and in yeah. taking the time because i look back at my last year and a half and it was the best like it was the best my life i feel like i ever I was always like, oh, I feel like I'm just getting started. I feel like I'm yeah. finally myself. I feel like I'm finally connected to myself. Like I love myself. I'm confident. Like I'm doing the things I really want to be doing and I'm showing up and attracting more people that I want to be around. Like it was a really negative space before and I didn't realize and people were really sad in that environment. Like at the end of the day, people who are running, escaping from their prob problems and escaping from their own minds, like people just want to get obliterated and the world that I've stepped into, it's really in the growing, in the growing, in the learning, in the process of that, that like, oh my God, I've learned so much about myself. I've discovered so many amazing people. And it, and it's also about taking the time to get to know people, taking the time to get to know yourself. Like the intimacy is a slow build. You know, we, we're, we're so like instant gratification, instant gratification, but even like with when it comes to relationships, whether it's like romantic or just friendships or professional, like it's so beautiful and amazing and so much more valuable when you take your time 
and you're not rushing and you're learning. You're really connecting deeply. And and that's what I think it relates to being present. Yeah. Is that you're not thinking about the end, right? And you're not just planning, planning, planning. Imagine I get these moments of sadness because I know these people and either family or friends who a lot of their discussion is about what's coming and what's Future planning tripping. and what's next weekend <laughs> and what's that. And, and, and you're like, okay, well, when you get to that next weekend, are you going to be talking about the next one? Exactly. Or are you going to be able to be in it? As long as you're in it, that's cool. But if you're always then talking about the next thing. That's your strength. That's your strength. I always say Meg is such a Katha because she is so like, you're so (laughs) slow moving and you're so in, you really are, you really are in the present moment and you're very like, I'm always, and that's the thing. That's why this card, I'm like, (laughs) oh, I need this card because I'm always like fast, fast, fast. Like I'm Gemini rising, like always in my head, like rushing, rushing, rushing. And that's why for me, like the sensuality practices are so important, but you have this natural kind of like groundedness, this like earthy energy of like slow moving, being aware of everything that's happening here. You like pay attention, you take your time. And I think that's so valuable being present, being in the present moment and that's sensuality, right? It's being connected to your senses. So yeah, I love that. Thank you. Having a little (laughs) moment hug. Um, I I would joke with people because people often think that I'm like high on something. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. And I came up with something before, long before even the ability to label being present or consciousness, I would just joke and I'm like, I'm present in my own space. And now I realize that that is this form of kind of living meditation. Mm -hmm. And I've really started to appreciate the different forms of meditation. And I I love how more mainstream this is becoming. And I'm new to it, right? I have, you know, we all know people who've been doing this forever, yoga forever. And, you know, now the new people on the train is like, yeah, I've been there for a long time. Welcome. Um, But, you know... I'm here now. Yeah. And and it's never it's there's never a bad time to get involved in that and the more people wake up to that and the more we talk about it the better it is for all of humanity. So there's no oh I started first then and I it's like everyone just But what's great well, yeah. is that it comes in different forms. Whatever whenever you get there like we're saying define it how you want. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always have to be this long 20 minute, 30 minute hour in your bed in the morning. It can be literally these, like these living moments where you actually just like feel the air, Mm. you know, and you like right now by hands, like I just, I feel the air and, you know, I'll bike and I'll just be aware with how the breeze feels or you focus on the sound of leaves ruffling mm. and you for can, me it's like scent and sound yes Those are my, uh. and so if you can bring the senses into your consciousness you 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 become this present person and now with that of course sometimes you'll be in an environment with more chaos with more struggle and I realize that I'm speaking from a place that only I know, right? I'm not in a war-torn area. I can't speak what that, uh, anything what that's like to, to be present in that kind of space. Um, so, you know, all I know is my own life and my own experience. And I remember hearing this story about this girl who got 
um, you know, basically run over on her bike with the truck. He turned right and she was there too. And she kind of got stuck under the truck. This is just a year or two ago in Montreal. It's like a wintry month and I cycle all the time. So I'm always very well aware of these stories. And she just talked about how her ability to be present saved her in terms of just like feeling what was happening, going through the motions, not fighting it, just being really conscious of even the scary situation that was happening. Um, Sometimes as a coping mechanism, depending on what's happening, you do need to create your alternate reality. And, you know, that's where sometimes you might need that substance and you go somewhere and that's where you live. And I know that even, you know, some kids who have a hard upbringing and they witness things that, you know, no child should witness, they, you know, you, you learn from them as an adult that they have created their own sense of reality and they lived in a place that got them through what they needed to get through. So they needed to tap out from the real reality and and just live in their made-up place to get through the chaos or the abuse or the violence that they were witnessing. And to think that a child is wired with that ability is so magical. To think that, you know, we are all wired with these coping mechanisms inside of us. And we actually don't need any substance. And so sometimes you might need to actually pull yourself out of where you are. And sometimes, you know, with like we know with breath work or with senses, like you with with exercise, your hormones, you are wired to get to to your to your place. Um, that's, and it's that's one of the big things that I learned actually, um, after I quit drinking, I really started exploring all that stuff, like mm-hmm. sound healing, mm-hmm. breath work, uh, meditation, all, all the dance, senses, and right? that's really about getting, and it's all those things come down to a lot of them come down to the most powerful ones for me. Yeah. Engage your senses and embodiment and just being present with yourself and, it's strange because even like psychedelic drugs, you know, there's there's certain substances. I, you know, I'm thinking about substances, and some do take you away from yourself, and some take you to another part yes. of yourself. And the thing about breath work, it does that was one of them that d- does something similar to psychedelics, and yeah. like does take you to another aspect, like a kind of another dimension of yourself, you know, where you're exploring and getting to know yourself like really intimately. And that was something that was really cool about living consciously. It was really like, oh my God, like let me explore my body and my body's capacity and my brain's capacity. And, um, and at the end of the day, it comes down to mindfulness, presence, being connected to yourself and just being aware of like how you're using these substances, you know, and I think everything in life, it's, it's, it's the intention, right? And it's the, and it's the way you go about doing it because there's a lot of things, you know, like a lot of people are like, they don't feel like their alcohol consumption or their drug consumption or anything like that is, is harmful to them. Um, but even, even escapism with your, with your own thoughts can be a form of, 
something that maybe isn't necessarily healthy, mm-hmm. you know? So it's that balance because is, sometimes exactly. you do need to go somewhere if you're in a place it's like, I can't handle mm-hmm. this right now. Um, and it's just knowing those tools, right? Yeah. Which is what this is about. But it's basically like what you're talking about is also it's, it's, it's Tantra, yeah. <laughs> essentially like being connected to your senses yeah. and like being in the present moment. Like it's, it's just an intuitive thing for, for you, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's something that we've, we've in our culture we've been super disconnected from because we're taught that our bodies are kind of like lower level and like our minds are higher level and we forget that those two things are intimately connected and they're both part of the same and um, I know, and 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 take you know okay so we're we're in a wintry gray month here where we live (laughs) um have plants in your home I mean you've been to my house it's a jungle. jungle. It's a jungle. <laughs> and 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 touch the plants. There's also, you know, there's a form of um like patterns and abundance within nature and and you your body responds to that. I think that it's important to pause, look at your environment. Just like for a second, homework, look at your home, and maybe you already feel really good about that. It's work, right? Anything that we do on ourselves and our environment, does it bring you joy? Is it igniting your senses? Um, but just create that space for yourself, not just that internal headspace, but external. Um, and I find for me, like nature, I mean, my gosh, in terms of transformations, I needed to move from my last apartment to get to like where I am today. My last apartment became a toxic place. It was very cold. Um, it, 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 it held a lot of emotions and a past life that brought me a lot of, you know, still kind of hurt and, and heartbreak that even though no matter how much work I was doing, I was still held in these confines of this place. Um, and I didn't have the strength to leave sooner than I should have. It felt like too much change. So I couldn't. Whereas like, I wish that somebody had come and been like, we are fucking packing your bags tonight. Mm-hmm. We are getting you out of here. I'd have been like, no. Um, but so I stayed because I'm a baby step girl. And, I, and I'm and i not like, I'm going to pack up my shit and get a... I'm like, oh, I don't know, too much too soon. There's too many changes. Let me just not, you know. And so I stayed for too long. And then once I moved into my current place where I live now, I remember that first time that I went to visit it, I stepped in and I was just like, yes. Mm. And, and, and sometimes things need to grow on you. Right. But sometimes it's so nice <laughs> to just be like, how did my body instantly react to that? That photo, that plant, that person, that text, from that person, that anything, like just pause, be like, oh my God, did I get tense? Did I feel warm? Did I feel joy? When you step in somewhere, how do you feel? Exactly. That's what happened when I quit drinking. I got so connected to my body and my intuition, something that I had been completely disconnected from. So I was able to learn how to trust myself. I was able to learn that oh, maybe I don't actually want to be here. Maybe I don't actually like this person. Maybe everything I'm doing is a lie. Like Mm -hmm. I don't actually care about it. And Mm -hmm. you start really feeling into your body and your body speaks to you constantly, constantly. constantly. And that's our power also as women. Like we have access to that so much. Like it's, it's, it's just part of how we exist. So your body is speaking to you. Mm -hmm. Do you speak that language? 
And it's learning to speak that language. You know, if I go to Japan tomorrow, I'm not going to understand anything. <laughs> if I learn Japanese, I'll be able to follow. So our body's speaking to us, speaking to us, speaking to us. But are we actually, do we speak that language? It's internal. And I think we do. And it's just, it's just about it's getting learning, intimate it's with learning yourself. learning the language. Exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 it's paying attention. Yeah. It's taking the time. Also, it's suspending judgment. I think that yes. was a big one for me because we all always judge ourselves like oh why aren't you here yet like hurry up like heal already or like move on or be perfect and we're always looking at ourselves and expecting ourselves to be like someone else or to be at this pace or at that pace and it's really just like suspend that judgment and trust that whatever you need to learn is there everything that you need again is always inside of you and you just have to open that space up and allow it to come out you know when I cut out alcohol I just opened up a whole space inside myself to be like oh my god who am I and to explore that is like the best like it's like it's a lifelong romance right who said that it was uh, Oscar Wilde I think I love that it's suspending <laughs> suspending the judgment and sometimes you just actually need that moment pause and I remember trying to think of that when I used to make the same kind of poor judgment over and over. And I tried to tell myself, Meg, just like take that breath before you're about to do that. Count to two. Count. Like literally it's a breath. It's not even pause for 10 minutes or an hour and make a coffee. It's like literally like <sighs> number one. And in terms of the body, that's what I try to t teach people in my class when I teach um, is we're so good at... <laughs> We're so good at feeling pain sometimes, body pain, emotional pain. We feel it. And then what we don't do is go right behind and ask, where is this coming from? And it has to do with emotional, as we've talked about a lot, but also, you know, your body. And I'll always use the knee as an example. You know, we'll do our plies. Ouch, my knee hurts. Ouch, my knee hurts. Ouch, my knee hurts. It's like you are digging yourself into that pain pause. Why are you having that pain? And pause right before you get it. The only way to get yourself out of it is to not keep pushing yourself into it. So it's like, feel it, but then speak the language of what it's trying to tell you, whether it's a physical ailment, an emotional pain. Um, I, I read this other quote, and of course, I'm going to butcher it. But the, the sense was, you know, a clever man wants to change the world and a wise man realizes it's about changing himself. And it relates to what you said in terms of everything is inside of you. The body is brilliant. Just look up anything. The way our brain and our nervous system is wired. The first time I did breath work, we came out of that. It was a group experience at my, at my work. And we all like looked around as if we had just, you know, traveled to another dimension together. You, you know, <laughs> and, and it was so like, you know, and you didn't even want to talk about it at first. You just kind of wanted to hold on to that feeling. So, you know, I know we both encourage everyone to just explore what's out there, to explore what's in yourself, explore what's out there. My gosh, the transformation is waiting, but it's, it's within the transformation that's magic. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the journey. Yeah. And it's the patience we have to have with ourselves. And that's what you were kind of touching on before, too. It's creating that container where we feel safe to to transform and to, and to grow. Because if you're attacking yourself with judgment, criticism, and all that stuff, you're, it's like you're trying to beat yourself into being better. You know, it doesn't work that way. It's, um, it's just like parenting. It's just like anything else. It's, 
if you want something that's nurturing this environment for it that is positive. So I think that was one of the lessons too that I um, I took away from from quitting drinking was was to just really be nice to myself throughout that and not expect changes to happen overnight and to just allow them to unfold and allow yourself to adapt to what's happening. It makes me think about working with kids. People would always tell me, you know, when I was a preschool teacher, you must be so patient. I'm like, actually, I don't really consider myself like the most patient person as a person, but within the environment of working with kids, yes, because I just, I understand children and I understand that it's going to take them 10 minutes to tie a shoe. And so I'm just going to wait. And I'm wow. not going to... I'm That's not going to... That's so real. Oh my God, I love that because it's it's kind of seeing it from their perspective too. It's having that compassion and understanding. I'm not going to rush that those steps for them. They need to take that time to do that. So in life, I, I don't think of myself... I think of myself as an average patient person, but, it, you know, so it ha- it relates to what we're saying in terms of your own change, whether it be body, you know, pushing into something, why can't I do this with that side? You know, my right shoulder feels great. Why can't my left one? And, you know, feeling the pain. And then like you're saying, judging it, judging it, judging it. Um, And so it's just understanding, speaking the language and understanding what it takes to to get there. But um, so, yeah, that's my biggest advice, even for kids. It's like you want to understand kids, just understand that it takes them time. And guess what? It takes us time too. Thanks for tuning in, hanging out, and being part of this self-love journey with us. We're in this together. Help us spread self-love by taking a selfie and letting us know how you practice self-love or by sharing something that inspired you from this episode. Be sure to share it in your stories, tagging at Lingerie with the hashtag BedTalksByAliceCast so we can repost you. If you love the message and want to support, be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Bed Talks is a WRG Media production recorded in the historic RCA building in St. Henry, Montreal. See you next time for more Bed Talks with your girls, Megan Sabrina.